All right, ladies and gentlemen, you asked for it. Welcome to tonight's episode of True Dread. Right here at Gunride Studios in Davenport, Iowa, 1448 West Locust. And I'm proud to say I have got racing legend Gary Webb on hand tonight. How you doing, Gary? Thanks for having me, Shane. This is a lot of fun, and it's it's promoting the sport, and I'm all for that. Okay. All right. Well, hey, we're going to talk about a couple of things before we get rolling here. Thursday night, Davenport Speedway had a great show there. Set a new track record. In case you haven't heard by now, there was a new track record set in qualifying for the Dirt Car Summer Nationals race at Davenport Speedway this last Thursday night. Spencer Hughes of Meridian, Mississippi, laid down a lap of 13.66 seconds on the quarter mile for an average speed of 65.89 miles an hour. The mark eclipsed a previous record of 13.979 set by Jimmy Owens last season at a World Outlaw late model show. Heck, it smashed the old mark by more than three-tenths of a second. In fact, a total of nine drivers beat Jimmy Owens' record Thursday night, six from the first qualifying group and three from the second. And, of course, his track record for the stock cars on the quarter mile is not the fastest. Uh, we've had somebody go around Davenport Speedway. The overall record still belongs to sprint car racer Shane Stewart. On June 27, 2000, Stewart turned a lap of 12.33, an average speed of 72.99 mile per hour. That lap was in qualifying for a World Outlaw Gemout Series event. Ironically, Owens and Shane Stewart still hold the half-mile qualifying records, all with no races scheduled on the half-mile for this season at Davenport, so those marks will be safe in 2022. In the, uh, so Bobby Pierce went on to win the feature that night. I uh, actually picked off three in a row this past weekend. IMCA late model, Andy Eckrich, uh, had a nice battle with Justin Kai, Jacob Waterman. Uh, Nezwerski picking off the win, coming out of four, slipped by, and brought home the checkers. In the modified division, it was Chris Zog, and picking up the street stock win was Nick Hickson. So make sure to check out the show you're listening to right now uh, on Dunright TV, on Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify, and make sure and Share our posts to your page so we can get more listeners. And uh, check out all the complete racing results here in Iowa at uh, iowaracingnews.com. So, Gary, hey, everybody's got a story. We're here tonight to get your story. You and I grew up in a day when, uh, you know, everybody would go racing in T-shirts and jeans. We didn't need fire suits. Uh, safety wasn't a big uh, priority. Uh, How do you get into racing? You say your dad crewed for somebody. Yes, he was a pit crew for Dale Aarons. They ran the uh, B class back then. We had the A class, which were your '57 Chevys and things like that. Just I'm talking early on. Yeah. And then uh, Dale Aarons ran a coupe, and then he had a sedan, and I just really enjoyed it. I can remember going to the old Speedway over where the scale is now. Yeah. And uh, it, it's I still remember it. They had. A, uh, wall out all the way around it. And I was sitting in the grandstand and one of the drivers came, I probably, I'm guessing, was seven, eight years old and the driver <laughs> came up and he had bandage, bandages on every finger. So I would go to school and I'd draw my hand and then put bandages on <laughs> the picture. So I mean, I was just taken by the racing. I was smitten with racing and I probably still am. Yeah, Dale Aarons, it was a number 33 car he Correct. had back then. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of that car, and 
dad uh, took me to a trip out there to the old speedway on route six and that's kind of the way that uh you know i got all uh smitten in your words uh with racing and you know back in the day when we were growing up you know every gas station you went by had a race car in front of it and every junkyard you went to owned a race car so for you know a young kid growing up you know you think about people traveling to the track in the enclosed trailers now and and i have no problem with the people that have the closed trailers but the open trailers there may be a group of people that go to the races that night that hadn't even intended on going you know they see gary webb's number 56 heading down the road and they go mom dad hey let's head on over to the speedway what are your thoughts on that yeah gary? i hope so yeah uh, to, to go on another angle of that, I raced down in Warrensburg, Missouri with the SLMR about a month ago, and I pitted next to a young man, and he looks over and he said, I didn't think any of you guys had an open trailer. <laughs> I said, well, the trailer's not going to win the race. That's right. So, Put the money where it counts. Yeah. Oh, man. So you went to uh, Davenport West High School and graduated in 1967. When did you start racing, Gary? I started in 1972. Okay. I went right to work at Ralston Purina, right out of high school. All right. And just wanted to race and didn't know how I would get there and save my money. And I got, you know, better position as my seniority grew. And then pretty soon I could, I could afford to race. Good. Good. All right. So, uh, that first season in 72, did you pick up any feature wins? Four. I had four. In fact, the third race of the year, the first race I broke down, I think I flipped the belts off or something. Okay. And, and the second, in fact, we're on the half mile, and I, we just had manual transmissions, and right. I didn't even know enough to be in high gear. And I'm, they called <laughs> for a while, they called me 10 grand web because I had it in second gear and didn't know the difference. And didn't I, know. I flipped the belts off it and got it hot. And then I don't know what happened the second night, but by point average, then they lined me up on the pole. The, the, this was a sportsman class. Sportsman with, class. They were late models with yeah. quick changes, but it was a sportsman. And the third week out, I won the feature. And then the fourth week out, I won the feature. And I thought, holy cow, you know. Man, that's something. And then I won two at Tipton that year, including the season championship. So I thought I was pretty special there oh. at age 22. <laughs> hey, Wookie, do we have a picture of that, uh, one of the first cars that uh, Gary had? We'll uh, take a look on there. That is our friend Gary Webb. And then we get up to, was that a 64 Chevelle? Yes, that's, that is 1972. That's when it started. Okay. And as you can see, open face helmet. I had a windshield in the car. Yeah. Tack on the dash, and uh, no driver's suit. White no. pants. They made us wear white pants, or we had to pay an extra dollar to get in the pits. <laughs> and, you know, it it uh, that actually was a late model. It I bought it from a man in Sterling, Illinois. Okay. And I brought it home, and the engine wouldn't fit in it. The frame was bent, oh, so, so I got my me. friend Ken Arthur. Right, Kenny Arthur. Yeah, he, he got a beam and a couple chains and a big jack, yeah. and he straightened it out until the engine would fit. And the oh, would my bend. gosh. Now, that looks like Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds. It is. Okay, all right. And so when did you go on to start racing full-time, Gary? 1978. Okay. Now, 
Boy, that takes a lot of guts. I mean, you've got to be kind of a gambler to, to go out like that and race full time and hustle a couple of bucks when you had time. Is that how you did it, Gary? Well, I had a good job at Ralston. I was okay. a, a millwright, and I'd already oh, yeah. went through there four years, and I was thinking about racing more than I was at work, and that wasn't fair to them. And then I got to thinking, you know, if I raced – four nights a week, which you could, Yeah, that's four paychecks. And racing was affordable back then. It no, sure was. No way could you do it today. Sure, And sure. Uh, I used to have dreams that I still worked there. I mean, Ralston Perino is a very big part of my life. Right. And that's a hollow feeling when you walk away. Oh, it's got to be. Now, fans out there, if you got any questions for Gary Webbs, uh, please uh, get them posted on either the YouTube page, Spotify, or uh, Facebook, and we'll get those questions asked to Gary and get you an answer. And once again, hey, if you're watching this show live right now, uh, please share this on your page so we can get more viewers. So, Gary, let's uh, move forward a little bit. Uh, you know, my brother Sam has always had my back all through the years. I mean, through their scraps and scrapes and everything we went through in the racing world, uh, you've had a good brother too and Robert Bob. you bet yeah. the driver gets the credit and the driver gets the glory when you think about it you're on the track for maybe 20 minutes and there are probably 20 hours of work yeah you know so you know the crew is more important than the driver I mean they just get the credit yeah you're not, you're not gonna win a race if something falls off the car Robert was out this morning nutting and bolting the car and doing the air cleaner and He's very valuable to me. Sure. Now, I got to ask you, back in the day when I was racing, I'm going to say back in the 80s, man, I had people coming out of the you know the woodwork that wanted to work on the race car. It doesn't seem to me like it's as easy to find pit crew help these days. Is that like the cost of the pit passes, or what do you think has impacted that? Well, I, I always covered the pit passes for oh. my helpers because when I was young, I helped a guy, and I thought this is this before I started racing myself, and I thought this is really going to be fun. Sure. So I'm in there working on his car, and I'm thinking I'm not even getting to watch the race, and then he yelled at me one night, <laughs> and I thought I paid to come here and get yelled at and not get to see the race. So then I thought, I'm never going to have my crew have to pay their way in. Sure. So if they get yelled at, they don't have to say <laughs> <laughs> what I did. Hey, so Gary, uh, I can't imagine what kind of pressure it was driving for a living. What Can you kind of tell us you know, your thoughts about that? I mean, we grew up in a time when we didn't have the technology that's out there today. And when we'd go racing, if track A was rained out, we had one of those books that Chris Economy Mackey printed, and you had all the track phone numbers, and you're just calling people at a pay phone trying to find somebody that's racing. And you had to put in a certain amount of time to, to be able to pay the bills. What was that like? What kind of pressure did that put on you? Well, thankfully, I was pretty competitive, and I did work in the winter, so I didn't get way behind on anything. And actually, I made a decent living. Sure. You know, uh, I always lived modestly. Okay. One time I went into Bank Brenton. There isn't any Bank Brentons anymore. <laughs> and a young man was walking in when I was coming out, and he just got out of a brand-new pickup. 
and I probably had a 10-year-old pickup, and he says, man, I want to run late model. And I, he ran s street class or whatever. Sure. And I said, well, the difference is I just got done putting money in the bank, and you're probably going there and withdrawing it. You know, so that's just how you choose to live your life, what you can accomplish. You know, uh, one thing I always liked about racing was, you know, my brother and I, you know, we've got, you know, homes that we live in now, but we were never going to have the $300,000 home or the brand-new pickup truck uh, because I still feel this way to this day, and it's all about the memories. I mean, the memories you have with your brother, the memories you have at the racetrack, they can't take those away. Those are with you forever. Oh, the, the friends I've, you know, met up with through the years, it, it's you can't put a value on it. Yeah. You're right. So let's uh, take a minute here to do a little commercial break. Coming up on July 6th, please join Dunright for the Denny Osborne Memorial at the Buchanan County Fair for a 7,200 win late model showdown brought to you by the People Company. Also joining us will be the IMCA Modifieds and stock cars with more than $30,000 in total prize money up for grabs. This, no doubt, will be an amazing show. And if you cannot join uh check it out on done right tv if you can't be there and kelly you're going to be there you're going to have it on done right tv we're going to be on done right tv yes sir that'd be a great show it ought to be a great show last i checked there was quite a few cars signed in and that was like a week ago i think yeah. gary you're going to be there right yeah looking forward to it yeah me too tell us a little bit about denny osborne number 72 and the guy was a heck of a late model driver himself and you had a friendship with denny oh very much a great a great friendship with yeah. Denny he uh, his cars were always spotless I mean typically he was the first guy that had an orange number on an orange car and I thought that works pretty good yeah but you would have never thought of it at that time no and one time this would have been probably in the mid 90s I got caught in a hailstorm at Dubuque I actually was putting an engine in my car outside of Grove Automotive and I was gonna race which I did at Farley that night. Wow. So it broke the windshield. I had a Mills Chevrolet pickup. They, they sponsored me with a pickup, and it broke the windshield and beat the daylights out of the truck and my race car because that's soft aluminum. Yeah. Well, my cars weren't like Denny's. Denny's were always pristine, and mine probably had a few rubber marks on them and stuff like that. So when we got to the track, I was pitted by Denny, and I said, man, I got in a hailstorm today. I said, <laughs> it beat the daylights out of my car, and he said, how can you tell? <laughs> I never forgot that. Yeah, he Man. said, how can you tell? You know, and I tell you, that's, uh, you know, some of the memories we talk about. Uh, uh, now, tell me the adrenaline rush, Gary. Man, when you get all strapped in, you head out on the racetrack. For the fans that don't know that, uh, what are you feeling as you're heading for that green flag? Well, I Honestly, at 72 years old, yeah. I, I've learned to cope with that. I always, you know, used to get real excited and, and nervous, and I'm glad that did go away with age, but sure. that's what keeps you going. I mean, it's it's the excitement. Yeah. Yeah, and I know uh, you talk about age. I'm 62. We're 10 years apart, and I don't have the energy I had at 52. And, you know, it, it amazes me to see a guy like yourself, Gary. You're always going. I mean, hey. When the sun comes up, it's work time, and you're out there. You know, you've got something going on. 
Where are you finding energy for that stuff? Well, I think it's just natural. Sunday morning, I, I had raced at Donaldson Saturday night, and okay. I wanted to get ready uh, for East Moline, and I drove a different car at Donaldson, so I took, I, I knew I was going to put it away, so I took my yellow car to the car wash at 6 a.m., okay. got it all cleaned up, and then Robert come out, and we got our work done for East Moline, and then I was there again at 8 o'clock this morning after wow. East Moline getting the car cleaned up so we could work on it for, for Independence. And I did think of you because I take the tires out of the pickup and wash them, yeah. and I went to pick one up, and I thought, this feels heavier than normal. <laughs> and I thought, well, you're probably tired. And I, I was thinking, well, that's something that you know I could bring up at the show, which was a true experience. Sure. So uh, tell me about racing superstition. I mean, when I was coming up, uh, you couldn't have anything green on the car. You couldn't run a number 13. You didn't want any peanut shells around. You told a story one time about the odometer on your truck. Yeah, that, that was a long-time issue I had. I mean, I would look down, and if it had an odd number at the end, I thought, you're going to have a good night. And, I mean, I was racing sometimes five nights a week, so yeah. you'd psych yourself out, and, and that's not productive at all. <laughs> so I just took a piece of black electrical tape and put it over where the odometer was, yeah. and then I didn't have to put up with that. Oh, my God. How do you like that? But there's other silly things, you know, that – I'm sure every racer does that. Uh, I, Gary, I was the same way, and I think everybody had that. I remember when I first started racing street stock, we built an old Chevelle, and I got to looking at the steering wheel uh, when we were ready to head to the track, and it was green. And I said, we ain't got time to change this thing, because <laughs> back then you had to use a wheel puller to get it off. So we got out, I don't know how many rolls of electrical tape, and we covered that thing oh, up, because I wasn't going to drive a race car with a green steering wheel, because, you know, it was something about mentally it would – mess you up and you would anticipate failure and that wasn't good so we taped that thing out went out and did our thing so uh you were inducted in the national dirt late model hall of fame in florence kentucky uh that they only induct five people a year into that thing with all of the tracks that you raced at over your career gary that had to help get some of them votes in there to get you inducted into the hall of fame yes bob marcos He's from Portage, Indiana. He was instrumental. He was part of the uh, board of the, the people that made the decisions for the Hall of Fame. And he used to see me race at Santa Fe Speedway in different places. And uh, yeah. he, he did a lot of, you know, even back before the internet and stuff, we all knew who Bob Marcos was. All right. And uh, he was instrumental in, in getting me in into the Hall of Fame. But he, he's a strict statistician he knows races that i won in the 80s and things like that so when somebody say gary webb has 500 feature wins he he can document them he documents yeah. yeah so you know that's why these guys sometimes you hear a guy that says oh i've won 600 features well they know if it's true or not be yeah. because it's got people like him that they take the stats, especially now with the internet, they can keep track of you. Oh, they can, boy. Uh, you can't go into hiding there. Hey, 520 career feature wins. I was at East Moline two weeks ago, Sunday night. I mean, man, that was a heck of a race, Gary. Every restart, uh, uh, you know, at one point, Andy Nesworski snuck up next to you. 
he was getting some pretty good uh, bite going through one and two and actually showed you a fender going down the back stretch, and the caution came out, and I just looked over at Jeff Morris, and I said, hey, Gary is a crafty veteran. He's going to change his line uh, when they throw the green. And, boy, you moved up a couple of feet and got out of that spot where it was getting a little black heading into one, and, man, it was all over. How'd that feel? Well, Joe Ross had come along and took a – I was leading the feature several weeks ago, and he passed me in the same corner. And then when I saw saw Andy, I thought, gee, you can't let that happen again. And I really didn't feel like I I didn't want to go up and just block him. Yeah. So I just moved up a little bit, and that gave me a little bit more momentum. And I, I think why I'm racing. I did it last night. Andy won, and I got second. And and that corner now is, is either a go or no go. Yeah. One and two or three and four, we can all get through real good. But one and two, you gotta you gotta get it right. And I was watching Andy too. Andy was running a different line than I was, and Andy's car works really well. So that night, it did work. It did, man. And back in the '80s, I used to watch you up at East Moline. You had the blue and yellow car, the Mill Chevrolet sponsored car, and you had a line you'd run through one and two. You get right up there next to the wall, but. About the center of the turn, you'd turn it and drive down the hill, and that thing would take off like a rocket. Yeah, and those cars didn't have near the suspension or the shocks and things, and probably we were going slower, so that made them a little easier to drive. Yeah. But, yeah, I can think back before we got the wall at East Moline, we had those blocks and stuff like that. Oh, man. We'd be hitting the right rear on it. i never forget it was the last race of the year. I don't remember exactly what year it was. But we had a hundred lap race, and it paid three thousand to win, which when you're doing it for a living was very important. Yeah. And I had every car lapped except for Roger Long, and he was ahead of me. And I went in the corner and hit the tail so hard that it pulled the front around and broke my lower A-frame. Oh. And my then gosh. I had all winter to think about that. Ain't that something? Hey, Wookie, you got a picture of that blue and yellow car? We've got a couple of them, and I got to tell you, Gary. Uh, you know, I love your wrap you got on your car now. Let's uh, roll it forward a little bit. Hold it right there. This night, Gary, I was at the IMCA Super Nationals, and it says Boone Speedway IMCA late model. That was Super National champion. My wife and I started going to the Super Nationals. In fact, you know, I raced in a lot of them up through, uh, you know, into uh, the early 90s. And, my God, that was a show you put on that night. I remember... Uh, Always enjoying seeing you come out, uh, you know, the Governor's Cup and the Illinois Challenge at Bluegrass, and you're a bluegrass guy. You know, you've always lived in Iowa, and to see you go up there to uh, to dominate up at Boone, Iowa, with the Super Nationals was just just pretty amazing. Now, hey, do you still have that coat you won there that night? No, I'm sure I don't. Oh, somebody, somebody does. It yeah. didn't get thrown away. It we could have lost it. I had two house fires. We could have lost it in one of the fires. But I sure. do still have the flags. Yeah. I, I won four Super Nationals, and each one I got a flag, and I couldn't find the, the fourth one. I still have three, and then... Let's get that uh, back up there, Wookie. I want to look at... Uh, Dick Flogel yeah. uh, retired, and all the memorabilia that I had given him, Grove Auto, that's right there on the car, I had given sure. him trophies, and I had given him one of those flags, but I didn't remember that, and then he went ahead and at the Yankee one year, let everything go to auction. Sure. 
and there was that flag. Oh, man. And Gary Crawford's wife bought the flag, which okay. at least I know where it's at. Went to a good home. Yeah, yeah. So that at least I know where they're all at. And Grove Auto, they sponsored. Right? I mean, you had their engines in your car for a lot of years. Correct. When I look at that. And that was a GRT. And uh, I look at uh, Steve Duffy up on the uh, sail panel. We lost him to COVID this past year, but he was a great fan of yours. You bet. Uh, always enjoyed uh, watching your race. Uh, Wookie, let's roll it forward and see what else we got for pictures here. Uh, there we go. Another big race up at East Moline. Now, the blue car. Look, look at the crowd. Isn't that amazing? Packed. Wow. Yeah, you know, and during those, and Bob looks so young. And during those years, jeez, uh, those guys, uh, you know, the, Bobby Tolan, you can say one thing about him, all the years he promoted up there. He brought big dollar late model racing action to the Quad Cities, and they would pack them in the stands, and it gave us an opportunity to see drivers, the top drivers from across the Midwest, whether it was Roger Long, whether it was Dick Potts. Uh, there was just a, a ton of them out there. And when they come to East Moline, they had to battle our hometown hero, Gary Webb. And most time, Gary, you came out on top. And the man with the crutches, that's Russ Ewalt. The oh. old-timers would know. Sure. He dominated at one time with Benny Hofer as his driver. Right. And, and then uh, Don Bolander. I remember Bolander driving the car, yeah. And, and Russ Ewalt started helping me. And... He was a good mentor, I'll tell you. Good. We got some comments here, Shane. All right, let's hear it, jump Kelly. in here. It kind of goes with what you're saying right now. Kevin uh, Kevin Schroeder is saying that there was a couple years at Dubuque when Gary couldn't be beat that you were the show. So you guys are talking about East Moline, but there's there was a time in Dubuque, too, where you were running running that, like Actually, winning everything. I had 17 track championships at East Moline, wow. and then I started going to Dubuque, and I won four in a row there. Nice. So I kind of had 20. Well, there was a break when Jake Willard won at East Moline, but uh, I did the first four years I ran Dubuque full-time, I was the champion. Awesome, awesome. So that, that track suited me well. And, Gary, you, during that NASCAR run, uh, the 2000 uh, NASCAR Dodge Weekly National Championship, you know, at one period you had 16, 18 features at uh, Dubuque. Yeah, I won 16 out of 18. 16 out of 18. So that was and really, you'd think that fans would say, you know, what the heck, but they all were pulling to pull that championship off. So I really sure. had more support than I would have ever dreamt. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, there, well, there's a few comments. Cindy Judge saying the T-shirts are great, but she was wondering if you're going to have any hoodies or sweatshirts since it's probably a little bit of a cool season coming here shortly. So any plans on sweatshirts or anything like that, Gary? I doubt that. Uh, okay. You know the t the t-shirts are fun, but oh. you know it it uh, yeah. it's it's kind of a, a job. Oh. Now there's something I'd, I'd like to point out. This is my 50th year of racing, but it says six decades of winning, and people would probably wonder how can you win six decades? But see, I won in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I I won my first race in 1972, so I've got to win in every decade in wow. the 2020s awesome. made the sixth one. I mean, who can say that? That is just amazing. So that's, I'm, I'm glad to be able to explain. My son there is modeling the shirt, and that was his idea to put that <laughs> on there. <laughs> well, he makes a good model. I like that. 
Hey, so you picked up that uh, NASCAR Dodge Weekly National Championship in 2000, Gary. You won 150 grand for winning that thing. I mean, what is it like to have them lay $150,000 point fund money in your hand? Oh, they they had it was a a collage of checks. Okay. I was standing up there and they handed me a check for 10,000 from Hoosier and a Featherlight 10,000 and this company 5,000 and that's how that's now, the one check, and I wish I would have took a picture of it, and it yeah. did impress the Bluegrass Bank, the check from NASCAR was 68000 on one check. Jeez. So I, I had a little clout for a day or two when I went into <laughs> that, that bank. Oh, my God. So now where was the NASCAR banquet at that year, Gary? It was at the Peabody Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Okay. And I had to give a speech in front of 3,000 people. Wow. Now, that was intimidating. Sure. They, d- they did a rehearsal, so that did help. And you just kind of watch that teleprompter and hope you don't mess up. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, they had a golf tournament in my honor. I mean, they NASCAR treats you like royalty. Oh, I man. flew first class, not, you know. Yeah, that's good. Well, they did it. You know, it was all on NASCAR. Wookie, uh, let's find a blue and yellow picture. And we got, uh, I believe we got a picture of, if you go backwards, keep going. And we are going to keep going. Keep going back. And keep going. All right. Uh, okay. I, I thought I didn't put that picture up there. We had a picture of you, uh, you know, with Phil Roberts interviewing you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we're all getting older, I mean, it's amazing. Here you are still winning features at 72. And uh, Phil worked with NASCAR for all those years on the Bush Series, and he was a regular I'd see at the Speedway. And so he used to have the Around the Track show, and I just want to kind of give props to Phil for what he did for the racing uh, world over the years here. And, Phil, if you're out there listening to t- with us tonight, uh, we hope you're doing well. Hope your uh, health is getting better. And uh, we're happy for your contributions. Yeah, hi, Phil. Yeah. Phil... Uh, and I are the same age. We went to school together, and we used to race model cars. Okay. And, and Phil and I competed with our model cars. What oh. we would do, we had a ramp, and we <laughs> would coast them down, and then the last car got eliminated, and then you'd coast them down. So we were racing model cars even back in oh my god in junior high. Uh, you know, you think about, hey, as soon as there was two cars, there was a race. Somebody had to find out who was the fastest. So that's uh, pretty amazing. You were vote. You got second in points in two thousand one, in the NASCAR points. What were you close to winning it again and making it two in a row, Gary? Or well, you know, there's I I I don't mean this to be sour grapes, but the man that won it was in Rockford. Okay. And and they knew enough to up their car count. Okay. Because there there was the amount of cars at the at the track. There, there was a formula they used. The nights of racing, the amount of cars you race against, and your finishing position. Okay. So they, you know, he did get the wins, and then they had the car count to support it. Sure. And when I won the national, I had friends coming up and racing to help my car count. So it's not anything what? unusual. Wasn't anything unusual. And, you know, at one point you were voted uh, the most popular driver. You know, that's quite an honor. I mean, I, yeah. I think about that, and I think, darn it. You know, I, I think that's that's a big honor. It really is, man. 
a lot of years. Hey, Wookie, you want to put uh, put the red car out there? This is something I've talked to Gary about it before when we did a shop interview, and thank you to – oh, let's go back one. I want to talk about that. Uh, one more. There we go, red, that car. Now, is that the car you took down to uh, Springfield, Illinois, and won with, Gary? No. No. no, not that one. Okay. Actually, the car that I won with at Springfield belongs to Doug Crawford, and oh. they refurbished it. They had it in the car show, and I'd be thrilled if they bring it. You know, they're going to have sure. my celebration for 50 years at East Moline, they said, last night on August 8th, and if they would bring that car there, because it's not to race, it's to show. They should have it on display. Yeah, so, that, yeah. that was really nice, but that's the car. It was my 1980 Dick Schiltz car. It looked like that. And that's a buggy car, of course, yes. with all the buggy stickers on it. That picture's at Rossburg, Ohio. Tony Stewart would be proud to see what that looked like in 1983. <laughs> but that's just the, the change of times, you know. Yeah, It looks that's like the newer figure eight cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wookie, let's scroll forward on these pictures, and uh, we'll see what we got for the people out there. Uh, you know, of course, again, my favorite, hold it right there, my favorite color cars the blue and yellow ones, is there a chance we'll ever see a blue and yellow 56 out there again, Gary? Well, I'm about ready to make a little color change. And okay. what I noticed, the car that I call my yellow car, yeah. Robert and I took it out to West Virginia a month ago, and Tyler Carpenter drove it. Oh, boy. And I got to see that car's not very striking. You know, I was able to watch it race, and I thought, that, that combination's not good, so that combination's going to go. So maybe I'll have to ask Robert, but maybe we'll make a blue and yellow one out of that car. Well, you know, I remember years ago I talked to you. I, I announced up at East Moline for tolling for a lot of years, and I said, Gary, when are you going to hang it up? And you said, when my age is my car number. And so we've went way past that. So I think, you know, just as uh, just to honor that car that, you know, you won – 200 features in the 80s and most of those 200 that I remember were in that blue and yellow car I mean when that baby rolled in the pits you were racing for seconds so I think you know at some point I'd like to see a blue and yellow car again on the racetrack well, I'll, I'll keep that in mind yeah, with the 56 hey even if you, if you put it on the old master built car it would still be cool just seeing that on a car I but I'd like to see it on a car that you could win with well you know a lot of people said I thought you were going to retire at age 56, you know, yeah. and I'm thinking, what, I'm not welcome anymore, but they were They, were <laughs> they wanted to get rid of you. But what it was is Billy, my youngest son, sure. was going to be 18 when I was 56, okay. and I thought he'd be the other Gary Webb. His name is Gary William Webb. He's not a junior. Yep. And about the time he graduated, he said, you work too hard for too little. I'm going to college, and I'm not going to drive a race car. <laughs> and I admired that, his honesty. And You had to. He uh, He's done well with himself now, and he did go to college for six years. So. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, roller head one, uh, Wookie. Let's see what we got. There we go. Now, that car was, you know, another one that I remember from East Moline, and uh, that's back when they had the pit opening in turn one. You remember yeah. that, Gary? That, there's the wall I was talking about, and there I'm up there trying to hit it. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I remember uh, one night Gary Reinhardt run into that wall head on, and it just destroyed his open-wheel modified. So that was pretty treacherous. 
And I'm glad they closed that pit opening and they oh, got we, it all coming off, too. We had guys go out that opening. Oh, Dan yeah. Dan Bennett, I remember him crashing through the opening. and Sure. Uh, Ron Marks Sr., he went over the wall. I remember that. You know, that, that was... Yeah. But you know, that's when we packed a grandstand because it was packed. a show. It was a show. <laughs> and, man, uh, you know, in the 80s, we'd go down hit and miss in the 80s with our open wheel to Peoria. But, man, down in Peoria in the 80s, uh, a lot of great drivers down there. And it was uh, Ray Gus Jr. and Gary Webb show. And we were all pitting in the infield back then. And, boy, I remember uh, one night uh, – you know, I popped Chuck Struby going into the turn, and we'd won 13 features down there in 87. And when I got up in the pits after the feet, well, pulled down the infield, there was like, I can't tell you how many Strubys <laughs> at that track, but they were all wanting to fight. And unfortunately that night, I only had John Norton with me, and I thought, man, we got to get out of here. So I had Norton throw the ramps down. We had Strubys all over the trailer, and I – Wrapped that thing up to about seven grand and dumped it and flew up on the trailer. And we went uh, flying out the gate. And John says, what about the check? And I says, hey, they can mail it to us. <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't mind uh, fighting back then. But, my God, you can't block 15 fists coming at you. Exactly. So I was smart enough to know, hey, we got to get out of there. Let's roll that thing on, Wookie. see what we got coming up next here. Oh, there we go. Now, that is where, Gary? Do you remember that one? Well, I didn't until... Or the first fire that I had at my home, that picture surfaced. Okay. And I remember winning the race, but I did not remember that it was a Featherlight 50. It was in Cresco, Iowa. Oh, okay. So I haul Featherlight trailers. That's what I do to, to make some cash now. Sure. So I took that picture to Featherlight, and I said, I know the flagman. He's the man that owns USMTS now. Oh, you're kidding me. Todd Staley. Todd Staley, yeah. And, and the other man is uh, one of the Clements, the owner of Featherlight. Right. So, wow. Trace, that... I think his name's Tracy Clements. Conrad a... Clements was the founder. Okay. But he's the son of Conrad Clements. A lot of history there. Any more questions, uh, Kelly? Well, there's a few comments. And uh, let's see, Dale Baker, uh, I remember the time I brought my Boy Scout troop to your house. I think it made, made some few, a few fans out of that. It must have been about 40 years ago. That, that had to have been something, huh? About your boys. Dale Baker's a good man, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> a real good man. What else we got, And Kelly? then we got uh, another one. Mitch Swinton loved watching Gary run at West Liberty Raceway. It's all about the kids. And Gary Webb was a superhero to many kids in the stands. That's pretty impressive that, that, that's, that that's the way that people think of you, I think. I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's that's a very big honor. Yeah. And when I look at all those big trophies, I gave away most of my trophies. Oh, and I can see why. Where would I have had Where would you for? put that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Wookie, let's uh, get a picture of that red car up there, the number 555. Gary probably gets tired of me talking about this thing, but I, I remember <laughs> it was the coolest car right there. That was a Tri-City buggy car. It was lightweight. You took it to Florida and raced it. But I grew up in Rock Island and uh, uh, knew Gary Oliver. My dad knew him, and you know we went over to the shop when that car was getting built, and that thing was ahead of its time. <laughs> Can you if tell if us a little black, bit about that, call Gary? it the Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. Now, the weight on that car, the transverse leaf spring in the front of it, I mean, tell us a little bit about... Well, the main thing that Gary Oliver was striving for 
in fact, not to compete with Conrad Clements, but those were called feather lights. That was the, what he called that brand okay. or that model, I should say. All right. And they were super light. Oh boy. Very very light. And and the you know the leaf springs on the back. Well, if you had steel leaf springs, they weigh so much. These were fiberglass. Oh boy. And that's not why it wasn't about the weight. It's about the performance. But that did make it lighter. And then on the front, it did not have coilovers. It had a leaf spring that went over the top right behind the radiator. Sure. And then it had rods going down to the lower control arm through there. And then we had a shock on it and stuff. But it uh, <laughs> it, it was a very unique car. And that, that would have been 1982, so. Oh, I mean, way ahead of its time, don't yes. you think, Gary? Now, in Florida, what... How did it perform down there, and what's the history of that car? I, I didn't do very well with it. Okay. I, I really struggled with it. There were three or four of them down there. Tom Hurst had one, and I had one, and this Harley Blancet out of Ozark, Missouri, he had one, so maybe okay. there were three of them. And uh, we we bailed early. We didn't stay the whole speed week. Okay. So now, the history of that car, where did that end up going? Pete Parker was a good friend of Gary Oliver's okay. and the car ended up the engine belonged to Bobby Tolan a prototype but the rest of the car belonged to Gary Oliver so then Pete Parker took it and he actually did pretty good with it good and then of course at Davenport Thursday night that was Pete's uh, boy Paul Parker run the number 10 car so it's nice to see the next generation get back behind the wheel and uh, have success. Well, I walked down there to, to talk to Paul and thought maybe Pete and Jeff, his brother, were going to be there. And I yeah. just saw a crewman that I didn't recognize. Okay. And then what really surprised me is they always built the reliable trailers. Sure. And, and right now to this day, people are searching for reliable trailers because they don't build them anymore. And here, Paul has a big enclosed hauler. I mean, the big like everybody else has. Sure. And Pete always built his own chassis, and Paul had a rocket chassis. Oh. And, <laughs> and I thought, this is really a change of times. But Paul became an iron worker, so he's he's got a, a good job that good. he can work or not work, so he yeah. can go race. And Paul stayed with me one year, and we did. Well, the, uh, we, we won the Yankee. Paul was with me when I won the Yankee, and, yeah. and Paul was with me one year when I won the Super Nationals, so Paul okay. was was good help. He was there. Uh, Wookie, let's uh, roll forward a little bit, see what else we got there in the uh, picks. That one right there, that was taken outside Jeff Morris's shop, it looks like, and it may have been after they lettered your car for you. I wish they could stay looking like that. You know, they look so beautiful. Yeah, they, they sure get, you know, beat up and tattered. Sure. I had a guy I collided with his car one time at Macon, Illinois, Okay. Well, then the next day I was over at Springfield because we would run. This might have been even the summer nationals back then. They didn't sure. call it the Hill Tour. So I needed an engine part. So I went over to this man's engine shop, and it happened to be his car that I collided with at Macon. And, and he was mad. He wouldn't sell me any parts. And I said, <laughs> well, you need to get a drag car. You know? <laughs> All right, Wookie, what do we got next up there? Slide that thing over, and we will, uh, there you go. Now, that win was actually two weeks ago up at East Moline, your 520th win. Yep, that's a picture I'll cherish right there. You know, Gary, it was amazing. 
all I posted on the internet that picture and just wrote a seven line story about it being your 520th win and we had within four days 5,030 people had viewed and read that story 5,030 nice. isn't that amazing wow all right wiki what do we got coming up next let's see all right that car gary that's you know tell me about when you went from 56 to w what was kind of the idea behind that well when i started racing you know i was 56 and there were no other 56s i thought what a unique number to have even right. when i would read the hawkeye racing news or this or that very very few 56s well then andy Eckery started running street stock sure. up at West Liberty, and he made his car 56. And then uh, there was a guy out in Corning, okay. and he made his 56. And then Travis Denning is 56. And I thought, you know, now these are all guys that are the same number. Yeah. So I just made mine W56. Oh, man. Good story. Hey, we want to make sure and tell you to check out all the racing results from around the Midwest here. You can read it all on iowaracingnews.com. Make sure to check that out. And then we also want to remind you that you want to join Dunright TV for the Danny Osborne Memorial at Buchanan County Fair Race for $7,200 to win. That's coming up July 6th. So that, Kelly? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes, sir. Okay. You're also going to be running IMCA Modifieds and Stock Cars with more than $30,000 in total prize money up for grabs. This, no doubt, will be an amazing show. So, hey, if you can't join us at the racetrack, check it out on Dunright TV. We're getting quite a few comments, guys, and I appreciate them all coming in. We're going to get to a few of them, but then we'll answer them as we, you know, after the show sure. and stuff like that. But we got a couple on, uh, on YouTube. Um, Carl Thompson, back in 1995, went through a divorce, and my kids were so sad. When we go to the pits, Gary talked, them, talked to them, and it would put a smile on their faces. I thank him so much. Again. The that's kids, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And I'm glad man. to do it, and I do it today. You know, it, just yeah. like when I won my 520th, this young lady, I don't know, she's probably not hardly five years old. She was the trophy presenter, and I said, Would you like that trophy? And she said, Yeah. And then her mom brought her down, and I signed <laughs> the trophy, and then they came by again last night. So that's, you got to build memories. And, you know, that's, we talked about that earlier. It's all about the memories. I remember uh, I was announcing up at East Moline one night, and I had a, it was a Silvis uh, cop, his wife and their two children. They come up and they said, man, Shane, we're going to have to leave right after the races. Can you get a Gary Webb autograph? And you probably had these things happen so many times, Gary, but I went down the pit area, and you were working on your carburetor. And I pulled this 8x10 out of the packet and gave you a Sharpie, and I said, can you autograph this for a fan? And you laid down all the stuff you were working on, what's their names and you wrote the kids names on that I slid it back in the envelope and you went back to work on your carburetor but you know you took time uh, out of what you were doing and that's why your fan base has just exploded well you know I feel like it's an honor to, to have them even come ask you so I'm glad to do it I gotta tell you a quick story what happened one time a lady came to me and she said would you be the Grand Marshal at our Pinewood Derby at, at a school over by the airport. I can't remember the name yeah. of the school right now. So I went over and I'm watching the Pinewood Derby 
And then they said, how about picking best of show? And so I had watched the Pinewood Derby, and there was a young boy, and I'm guessing he was from a single parent family, the mother, and his car hardly made it to the bottom of the ramp. But by golly, he'd walked down. It was double elimination. So he yep. got eliminated the first time, and then he gets in line and hardly made it to the bottom of the ramp again. <laughs> and it was a red That's car tough. with racing stripe on it that he had done with a Sharpie. Sure. Now, there were cars there that looked like they came out of a body shop. Uh. And that kid never lost a smile on his face. And a lot of these other kids, I called it the crying table. They were over after they got double eliminated and they were all <laughs> upset. So that night they said, Gary Webb's gonna pick the best car of the show. And I picked him. Okay. And I thought I was gonna have to sneak out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, there were parents they got that serious. Were, they were pretty mad, you know, uh, and I, I thought I did the right thing, you know. You did. You know, there was, I was PTA president at my daughter's school for about three years, so I had uh, had my dealings with uh, Fun for All Lake and the Pinewood Derby and all that stuff with the Cub Scouts that came in. And you'd look at some of them and you go, now darn it, I know that kid didn't have anything to do with that car. That thing was probably run through a wind tunnel and they painted it down at the local body shop. And like, oh my, we got anything else, Kelly? There's a few more. Uh, Kurt Berry Sr. asked Gary if he remembers going in a helicopter ride with Bobby Tolan and myself in St. Louis while they were fixing his aluminum heads at Ron's Porting Service. Uh, very well, yeah, that was, I'm not much of a flyer and I remember that very well. Yeah, we dropped the head off and Ron Porting, you were not welcome inside. He had one of them buildings with no windows and you handed the head through the door. And then Bobby said, well, why don't we go for a helicopter ride? And when you're buzzing around them high rises and stuff, yeah, I remember that vividly. Oh my God. Um, another one, Joe Hayes. In the NASCAR weekly series days, Gary's point average would ha would have him starting 12th at best each night. It was always exciting to watch him work the traffic. Gary also took the time to sign every autograph for every person wanting one. Awesome guy. So there's another one. Right? Yeah, there. Dubuque had a very good bottom, and I was able to get around that bottom and, and had a lot of fun. And Joe was in on track preparation and stuff. He was uh, Al Freed's right-hand man, so... Uh, I had a lot of nights when when I had, you know, and I still do. Joe's uh, a director of IMCA, IMCA now. So now. We've seen him at Davenport Thursday. Well, night. I saw him yeah. Friday night at uh, Donaldson. So, right. yeah, Joe Hayes is, is a big part of our racing. He sure is. J Jake Morris says he'll start working on a blue and yellow car right away. All right. <laughs> well. And then one more. These are all great, guys. Again, keep them coming. I wish we could get to every one of them. Uh, Gary gave me a signed T-shirt. This is from Matt Fulton. Uh, Gary gave me a signed T-shirt in the pit area at the West Liberty, at West Liberty when I was six or seven years old. That would have been 2000, 2001. He's been my local hero ever since. Wow, that's, those that's are all awesome. great stories. And and love I mean, it. I love you all. You know, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, there, like I said, there's a whole bunch of them in here, and. Uh, Let's see. My first recollection of Gary Webb was seeing him at Hawkeye Downs in a light blue and yellow 56 sponsored by Amco Transmissions. I was in the pits with Kurt Hansen, Gary, Kurt, Ed Sanger, Verlin Aker, Aker Daryl Drake, Darryl Dick Dake. Schlitz, Daryl Dake, I'm sorry, uh, Dick Schultz, Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. 
Just to name a few, Good Times when Hawkeye Downs was dirt. It was Kurt's favorite track. And those guys were all winning race car drivers. That was the every Hawkeye Downs. Every one of them. Yeah, every one of them. They, and that's, you know, growing up, those are the guys you competed with. Yeah. You know, and, when and you know, I say this. When I would go to the races, uh, you know, and watch you run back in the day, Gary, I mean, there was probably 10, 12 cars that could win the feature that night, maybe more, but they had all top caliber in that day uh, racing equipment, racing drivers, and they put on a show, and like you say, they packed the stands, and one of the reasons was they had uh, a lot of great drivers, a lot of great cars back then. So we talk about this. Half mile, quarter mile, Gary. Do you like running half mile or quarter mile better, or did you really didn't have a preference? I would say I prefer the shorter track. Okay. You know, now we run so many short tracks. When you get on a big track, it's like, boy, that's a long ways around there. (laughs) And I do enjoy going. They're going to have a a hail tour race at Dirt Car Summer Nationals at Knoxville, Illinois, but I enjoy running there every year at the fair. We didn't get one last year because of COVID, and then they're not going to have IMCA-type rules this year. But that track, you know, (laughs) those tracks seem kind of dangerous. I told Robert, I said, we ought to just go watch. That's going to be exciting. that would be the fun. I remember back in the 80s, a guy went through the uh, jump the fence down there. They just had guardrails back then. And uh, God, I think Hardy's was on the other side of turn one and two down there, and the guy went over the guardrail, and you know away he went over to Hardy's. So oh, it's right on the edge of the road there. It is. I can see where that would happen, and I, I'm vividly remembering Vern Schumann had a dirt late model for a while years right. ago, and I think one of his cars got into the guardrail, and it was wood. Yeah. And there was like a two by ten that went. It didn't get the driver, but it was inside the car. Sure. So, I mean, there's dangerous places. And, you, you know, you bring that up, uh, Hawkeye Raceway, it's gone now, and we've seen some tracks that we'd run at back in the day and they're gone now. Tell me a little bit about uh, your thoughts about Hawkeye Raceway and what Vern did out there. Oh, I enjoyed going there. That, oh. that was so much fun. I didn't, for one reason or another, run there weekly, but I went to his specials and stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a very well-shaped track, and the dirt, didn't give you a lot of traction. It wasn't real slick, but you could really maneuver around there. And Vern was so unique. There was times we'd be having a caution and he'd be out there with a fire hose, water in the corner. Yeah. And uh, I remember they had the seepage coming down from the, the wall and he'd put a cone out there and we'd have to know that, <laughs> that it, was, it was fun. Because if you hit that seepage, You'd go from <laughs> 75 to 9,000 RPM pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you knew what the cone was, but that, that just made it fun. It was a lot of fun. I remember Vern leaving the track at nights, and he'd say, hey, lock the gate when you leave. And so a lot of people stayed around, partied, and had a good time. And We got any more, Kelly? Well, yeah, there's several, but uh, Tim Gould, uh, Gary was the first driver that my, that my dad, Dave the Cop, at East Moline told me to watch, LOL was plain white car with airbrush number wedge nose. Yep. <laughs> um, That's something. Yeah, it's awesome. Just keep scrolling, Kelly. Yeah, there's there's quite a few here. Um, let's see, there's another one. Perry thank Geller. you guys all for listening. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Perry Gellerstedt uh, learned a lot about pitting by him at Davenport a couple years ago. 
Connie Sidoris, my daughter has his 500-win trophy at East Moline. Wow. So you gave good. away your 500-win trophy. Very nice. Impressive. Um, a lot of them. You're, you're awesome, man. I thank you for coming in today, Gary. No and, and thanks for letting us at your shop that sure. one time and, sure. and all that. Uh, and thank all the fans and everybody else out here watching. Um, awesome. Great stories. Gary, the future of racing, uh, dirt track racing, we seem to be on an uptick right now. I think, uh, you know, when we had COVID and we got people like Kelly in there with pay-per-view TV, that has helped. It's helped get the dirt track racing story out there more. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the future of dirt track racing? Well, I think it is on the the comeback trail. And right. one thing I want to acknowledge is, like yesterday, I saw Jeff Peterson and uh, John Durbin working hard for yeah. us to be able to race. Sure. And and Al Deloy and Ricky and Brenda Kai, they they, you know countless hours yes. we just show up yeah and and maybe an hour later we're racing and three hours later we're gone and they have a lot of work on both ends so i i want to commend all the promoters for what they do that's that's true and they're the ones that you know without them we would have no no, no place to race sure hey wookie you got a picture of the uh, desert storm cars there are three of the tan cars that are in front of the race shop and hold Gary. it right there. There we go. Now, Gary, that was the 2000 race in operation. Yeah, that that's that's up at Larry Mooring's shop. And I put them all together. I really, that's, back then I was doing quite well, so I didn't have to work as much in the winter. Okay. And I would put those cars together. And they all, I mounted the seats and the steering and the foot pedal, everything the same. So I could go from car to car and you wouldn't know the difference. Sure. Now, when I raced uh, Thursday night, I ran my white car, and Friday and Saturday, I ran my yellow car, and last night, I ran my white car, and they're totally different. I mean, wow. it's it's not what I would like to, you know, those cars were just, I couldn't tell which one I was in. Yeah, and you know, uh, you can check all this out and keep up with Gary Webb each and every week on GaryWebRacing.com. Check them out on the World Wide Web. If you want to buy a Gary Webb t-shirt, GaryWebRacing.com, and we'd sure love to see you at the racetrack. You get that t-shirt in the mail, bring it up to Gary after the races, and he'll get it autographed for you. So, Gary, uh, those cars, were those GRT cars? Yes. Because you, as I, uh, you know, I believe that until you came up here with a GRT and started winning, boy, you know, within short time, we had a million GRTs here. I mean, you pretty much, for Joe Garrison, brought, uh, you know, the GRT cars to this area. Well, I mean, do you feel that way, Gary? I was running Masters-built cars okay. and, and not doing very well. All right. And uh, I thought, boy, something's got to change. So yeah. I talked to Keith and Tater Masters, and they said, well, Jack Boggs is sure doing good in his. And I thought, well, Gary Webb's not doing good in his. <laughs> so... I was down racing in West Plains, Missouri. Okay. And Joe always had GR team cars on the spoiler. Okay. And I lined up next to this number 27, and I thought, ah, I'm not going to have any trouble getting past this guy. And he drove sure. off and drove away from me. So then that fall, I called down to Joe Garrison, and I said, I'd like to get a car from you. Okay. He said, I've got, I don't have any help, and, you know, I've got cars to sell. Sure. 
So I said, what if I come down and go to work for you? Right. Which I did. So I, I built a good number of cars. So I got to learn them. I knew the length of every bolt and the diameter of every wow. bolt. And then when I came back this way, I did have a good year, the first year, 1994. Well, then right away, Jeff Ike, they went and got one. And okay. they Kosicki started selling them. And pretty soon, you might go to a race, and over half of them were cars just like yours. Sure. So that made it not such an edge. Now then, in 1998, Larry Mooring bought a rocket, and I bought a rocket. And we were in hot water with Joe Garrison over that. <laughs> but I bet. Like I explained to Joe, if we're all going to go around the track in 15 seconds, I got to go around there different, not any faster, but different right. to be able to pass. Okay. And then we went back and, and uh, got GRTs again after that. And then the last car that I drove for Larry Mooring was a rocket. Okay. Wow. And Larry Mooring not only won that national championship with you, but I believe he sponsored Tom Hurst. Uh, yes, when he won the national championship. Yes, he so. did. So Larry's got a lot of credentials. Rich history, to. man. Well, and probably a wonderful owner to have, and somebody that wasn't spent, you know, afraid to spend a little money. Well, Larry's a winner. I mean, he knows. Uh, I felt like I was part of his puzzle, and he knew how to put together a winning team. Yeah. Hey, do you have a best moment in racing, Gary? Oh, I'm sure I do. One is odd as it seems. I left by myself, what year, this would have been around 2003 or so. Okay. And I went racing by myself, and I went to Meridian, Mississippi, and I ran sixth in a 100-lap race. Okay. And, and they really paid good down there. That paid $1,700 for sixth for place. For sixth place. Yeah. Oh, and man. then I left there about 1 a.m., and I drove through the night, and I raced the next afternoon in Lake City, Florida. Wow. And I remember I got fourth there, and then I went down to this track, uh, Okeechobee, Florida, and we raced Wednesday, I got fourth, and then we were off Thursday, and Friday I ran fourth, and I sure. thought, well. What track was that down there? Down by Lake Okeechobee, right by yeah. Lake? Was it Henry County? It was on the north side of the lake. Interesting. Uh, Thun Henry, I think it's I, got, I have the wind sticker on my electrical box at my other shop. <laughs> thunder, it was thunder something. Okay. But uh, then the, I got fourth again on Friday, and I thought, well, I'm stuck on fourth, but fourth's okay. Sure. And then the big race, I ended up winning. I started 12th, and my car just was good. And they paid me that night $5,000 in $20 bills and a trophy that I had to take <laughs> apart. But then the next, I drove all night. This And I'm by myself. I drove right. all night, and I raced in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's sure. actually the uh, state line speedway. Half the track's in Tennessee, half the track's in Georgia. Okay. And I'm thinking, man. I got to hide this $5,000, you know, because you're by yourself. And when you're out on the track yeah, and, and people could see that pieces of that big trophy I disassembled, <laughs> but uh, I got through that night. And I'll tell you what, I got north of Nashville and I was tapped out. I remember I slept for quite a while that time. Oh, my God. That is a story. And hey, tell us a little bit about when you're on the road like that, Gary, what are you eating for food? Well... Not very well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, you, I still to this day, 
I'll see somebody at a truck stop and they're looking at this and looking at that and and, and I know what they're going through, you know. Sure. I always said, and the Brian Harris gets a kick out of this, I said, when the chicken tenders at the truck stop taste good, I got to get home. <laughs> that, that's, that's when it tells me it's time to get home. Oh, man, that's It's like funny. trying the sushi at the gas station that's because you tried right. something different. You know, oh, it's like, man. Ah. We got anything else, Kelly? Uh, there's several. Uh, Wayne Cook, uh, what is, what's Gary's thoughts on the series like the airs that are bringing back the old classic cars? So well, I think that's a lot of fun. They're coming to East Moline yeah. Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. Sure. There's some good-looking cars. They come to Dubuque one. They were just in Dubuque here not so Yeah, long. I think it's great. Yeah. I really do. You know, we have two series. We have Brian Gotti's Airs Cars, right. American Iron Racing Series. Yeah. And then Mark Clays has put together a series. Sure. And so we got plenty of vintage racing. And Brian Burkhopper drove one. I wish I would have been there. Can you believe that? People used to have to pay him to come to their track and I he know. was driving a vintage car. What a blessing oh, to the promoter. Man. No. So it, it's great. It really is. And I, I buy a lot of tires because I think that's an important thing on my car. Okay. Well, I already took one load to the landfill and it cost me $40. So now I give them to those guys. Yeah. And, and they're glad to get them, and I'm glad to get rid of them. No, so it's a, great, it's a great thing. Yeah, that is so great. My gosh. Uh, we talked about your best experience in racing. Do you have a worst experience in racing, Gary? Yeah, that wrecking Santa Fe Speedway. Oh, man, I seen that. It, it was solid dust. It was a 200-lap race. Okay. And you'd go down the straightaway, and thank heavens, the dust would, and sometimes you still get it, but the dust would clear just in time to let you know where to turn. All right. Well... Little John Provenzano was going down the back straightaway, and he broke a transmission. Oh, man. So he's got no power. Right. And another car, Tom Giddes, went to miss him and stirred up more dust. And I went down the straightaway like I had time and time again, and all of a sudden I just – I could still remember it would be amazing. That's why the Hans device is so good. I could hear all my vertebrae crunching because I hit a car, a stack of cars wide open, and then I was getting hit from behind. And they have oh. pictures. They tried to confiscate all the cameras. They right. did. Santa Fe Speedway did not want any pictures. They're out there on the internet. Yeah, and and it shows they're wedged together, and it sheared my fuel line off and stuff. Thank heavens there was no fire. Thank you, God. Because we were. It, 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 they needed a crane. They didn't have a crane, but it took like three hours to get the cars all separated because they were wedged in. And and I still remember, and I, I was beside myself because my car was just torn. Destroyed. But when they finally cleared everything out, there was lids off of master cylinders and distributor caps. I mean, it just... It was just the night of destruction. Yeah, so that was, that was a low right there. When I looked at that picture, and you can still find it out there today, uh, it was literally what looked to me like the worst dirt late model wreck I'd ever seen. It was terrible. Yeah. And now Santa Fe's gone? Yeah. You, Gary, you had some pretty good runs up there at Santa Fe. Yep. Howard Teat was the owner, and his daughter and her husband, when Howard passed away, they sold it for development. Real estate. Yeah, which okay. was a smart move. Sure. But that car, I had already sold it to Dick Plug. 
Okay. <laughs> and so when I brought it home, I kept it locked up in the garage, and he'd heard about it, and I, I got it fixed, and by golly, I went the next Friday. That was Sunday, but then I had all week to, to work on it because that's what I did. All right. And I went to a race in Boone, Iowa. This wasn't the Super Nationals. They called it the Handicap Challenge. Okay. And we ran a dairy race on Friday night, right. and the top six cars got invited to run Saturday night. And they took the top six sprint cars, the top, top six late models, top six modifieds, and top six stock cars, and they ran all, all 24 of us together. And then the winner of each class got $1,000, and then the overall winner, which ended up being a sprint car, got another $1,000. That wow. Was, that's promotional. That's that, promoting. Absolutely. You know, I seen one of those, and I know they had kind of a handicap way to uh, to score all the cars because naturally the sprint cars are going to eventually They were a lap and a it. half behind us. Yeah. And I was maybe a half a lap ahead of the modifieds. Okay. It, 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 it uh, but boy, you talk about startle you when that that sprint car puts that right rear tire next to your door oh man that's it, something yeah racing with a sprint car they're so fast too. all right you yeah. filming them man it's like you know they're just so fast they are but well, robert Gary, lawton come up with that he's a promoter he is a promoter when you go to boone speedway and you see the way he's got the concession set up and the way that he preps the track and everything that he does uh you know he's a promoter yes and, and that race, too, you just didn't hear of anything like that. And, you know, until I went up to Boone, I didn't see any track prep like that. And, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, Ricky and Brenda Kai, they've done a wonderful job at Davenport. And, uh, you know, he's been willing to invest the time and the money. And, you know, he gets paid dividends because of that. And a couple of weeks ago when I was at East Moline and you won number 520, uh, at intermission, Jeff went out on that grader and put a lot of effort in running that grader around the racetrack, smoothing it back out, and making it racy for the feature. So, you know, I'll give it to uh, Jeff, too, and John Durbin oh, for working. putting the time and effort in. And, and you know, when most tracks, all tracks canceled that weekend, and they ran Sunday, and I was just amazed. I thought, man, uh, you got to give them an A for effort. For sure. Yeah. yeah for well, sure. hey, Gary, we're going to have to wrap this thing up. I don't want to wrap it up, but uh, we're running a little over, and that's okay. But I want to thank you for coming into the studio, letting us uh, talk about racing, and you're one of the legends around here, and I know we've got a lot of people tuned in listening to it, and I hope you get a blue and yellow car down the road a ways, and I hope you're around for a lot of years, and I hope you'll let Kelly and I come out to the race shop this winter and chat and walk around that shop and look you at your bet. race cars. When the, when the fans see a blue and yellow one, they know that Shane planted the seed. That's right. There you go. <laughs> and thanks for everybody for listening in and going to the races and just we're all part of this together. All right. Any closing words, Kelly? Um, just w thank you. Where are we going tomorrow? We're going to be in Independence tomorrow. All right. 7200 win late Gary model. will be there. Gary's going to be there. I'll Man. be there. We'll have the whole crew. We're going to hopefully have a couple cameras set up and everything. Um, and again, Gary, thanks for thanks for coming in. I one more thing that I want to say is uh, 
We're working on something special for the guys, uh, for Garrett Alberson, Jeremiah Hurst, and and first and, and second Saturday first night. First and second Saturday. Kenny Roberts. Ken that Roberts, was a dream you, come true, right it there. It was. I've been, I'm so glad when I saw the I. I yeah. use iRacePass, and when mm-hmm. I saw that, I thought, that is awesome. Isn't I've that been, crazy? Yeah, I've been kind of teasing them all year. I'm like, we're, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two tonight, guys. And then, uh, and I even, before the show, I was calling around, you know, like simply, some of the other guys that I use, like Simply Modified, Jacob, and, and uh, a few of the other photographers, and nobody had a side by side picture. Well, then, you know, then the other night at 34 raceway i got plenty of side-by-side stuff now so we're going to put together a nice little video because i was actually there and we got to put it on we got to put it out there so but yeah thanks for coming in and uh that's it i really enjoyed it yeah we'll throw one more up there i had there you go that's the legend right there the latest (laughs) pick you look great it's black and white but it's a great pick gary and uh man i just uh delighted you were here tonight so Listen, thanks for tuning in here to True Grit. We love, uh, you know, all you race fans out there. And go out and support your local racetrack. That's what this show's all about. Support your local uh, racetrack. Go to Independence tomorrow. It's the first night of the fair. I guarantee it's going to be a fantastic show. It's going to be a good time. I better go get a little money out of the bank then. You better. All right. Well, (laughs) we'll see you all next Monday night, 7 o'clock. Check us out on Dunright TV. And thanks for uh, tuning in. Good night.